0: everyone. Welcome back indoors. Next prayer is that we can stay that way. Boy I know this this is a big heat wave and I'm thinking how how was this when I was younger I'm thinking boy I was sharing with Colleen you know, I was younger, I didn't realize this was the issue till I got older. I mean, I had black interior with no AC and drive to work and back. And then we would be up on roofs, loading tile or, or shingles all day long. In Canyon Country, I remember one guy brought a temperature gauge out and sometimes it hit a 125 up on these roofs. And we didn't know better. We didn't know you are supposed to do all this she just kept working just kept working Um, so now you know older you get smarter Uh, you know Colleen we shared with her that hey you know Friday was a special day for her and her family it um, and it was gonna be over 100 degrees so why not go down to the ocean so while it was well over 100 degrees here it was 72 degrees where we were with a cold breeze I said can we just bottle some of this up and take it with us back Um, And then yesterday we had a little bit of rain. So here we are like praising God for this rain and praying that it's really heavy up where Sal lives and put out that lake fire. And then I'm reading that, you know, of course we were getting thunder and lightning and the lightning was not helping that fire at all. And then Sal shared with us that while they had got a direction to evacuate, now as of yesterday they got a mandatory evacuation, they had to be out. Now, you got to figure Sal is nowhere in the picture. He went down to San Clemente, his daughter's house for a dental appointment, and all this took place. And so he's been in contact with his neighbor, who's been telling him all these updates. Now, Sal, I gotta be smarter than us. He's in Pacific Palisades, where it's probably in the 70s, 80s, waiting out this fire. Um, and looking at some of the things I'm, I like to follow, follow and get news is actually I find it's better to get news of all things off Twitter than it is to get off the local news. So, you know, because everyone tweets so you can go to the L.A. County fire, you can go to all these different things and they give you up to the minute news reports. So one of the funniest things I saw yesterday was you had a fire crew, I forget where they're out of, I think they're a little bit up north. They had the guys in there were filming and all of a sudden you see these firemen running down the hill as fast as they can. And you know the first thing you hear is the guy inside the cab is laughing. Hot on their tail is this Longhorn Steer that had been set free. <laughs> that, and that even made the CBS News later, but I was dying laughing. That was the first thing I saw when I got up, but we need to make sure we keep to praying for Sal and this lake fire and making sure that, um, you know, because he didn't, I don't know, because like talking to others that live in that area, it's like, what do you do? Because you could at this time of season, you could just go to the store. You may not be back home for a while. Do you have like your go bags with you and your strong box and all that that you need? Because you know, Sal's in his car, no AC, and uh, his FJ is up where his house is. And it's like, we asked, is there anything we can do to, to help out Sal, like go up there? And he goes, no, they'd never let you in. So it's like, oh, well, just continue to pray. God is good. Um, so where are we going this week or today and next week? We're going to finish up chapter 5. It's going to take us two weeks, but we will finish up chapter 5. Maybe by the time August is through, we will be done with the book of Ephesians. I'm kind of sad to say that. I don't know about you guys, but I have just been enjoying this book. But I won't be too sad because then we're going to start up in the book of Isaiah. And uh, what a great and powerful book that is. Uh, Al mentioned last week that we would be looking further into this word, submission, and we'll be doing that over the next two Sundays. So let's get started. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you so much for today. Thank you for the small gift of, of being indoors. We thank you so much for your mercy. We just pray everything works out in this time. And, and works out with our leaders um, that, uh, that that there is some measure of reasonableness that continues. Uh, we just want to thank you for this passage today and your word. Thank you how we see you all through this. We just love you so much. And, and just Holy Spirit, just be with us. Just help us to take some time and reflect on you. And reflect on ourselves and just ready our minds and ready our hearts and make us receptive the Holy Spirit to your word today just calm everything around us and help us to seek you in this message amen so again we're looking at Ephesians chapter 5 verses 22 through 24 5 22 through 24 And it tells us, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the Lord is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Now, one thing, I, I don't, did anyone catch it? I know we, we go over these things on Thursday before we have service, and I listened, and I didn't. no one caught this. So I wonder how many caught it now. There was three times in these three verses the word submit is used. Remember what we always say. If you're reading a passage and a word is used multiple times, it's there for effect, and it's very important. And what does this word mean? What does this word mean? Because it's important as we go, finish the rest of this. Um, and a lot of people just don't like this word. They don't like this word being used here. And, and they'll shape it, and they'll give it other meanings to meet their me- their needs. And mainly they do this because they misunderstand the Christian's role in submission. So we're going to look into God's word to get this definition of submission and see how it's played out in the Bible. And then since we're looking in the Bible, let's take this time here to see if we can read and trust God's word. Because if we can read and trust God's words, the words he uses to shape us into his fullness, this is a good thing. So first, let's look at Psalm 19.8. Psalm 19.8. It says, The precepts, or the rules of the Lord, are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. In Psalm 119.130, Psalm 119, 130, yes, 130. And 130 is not the end of Psalm 119, very long chapter. It says, the unfolding of your words give light. It imparts understanding to the simple. One of my favorite, short, short, it is like eight words, John 17, 17. But if you ever wanna see power in play, it says sanctify them in truth your word is true so think about that god is saying jesus is telling god your word is true and it's there to sanctify us so through our life as we're following god's word we're down this path of being sanctified and that the ultimate goal is to reach the fullness of god so it says your word is true who is god's word John 1, 1 through 4 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. So Jesus is the Word, and we say this all the time. The Bible is the story of Jesus. So by going through that, we see the Bible can be trusted and the Bible is truth. So now with that in mind, let's look at how submission is played out in the Word. When we read this, and we know the author is Paul. Do we get the idea that maybe Paul just didn't like women, right? And the thing is, no, In in fact what he wrote concerning the relationship between a man and a woman in this day was simply unheard of it was crazy talk now what he wrote was that their bodies belonged to one another um, it was crazy at that time to hear that so let's look exactly what he wrote it was in 1 corinthians chapter 7 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 2 through 5. He wrote, But because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife, and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights, and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority Guys, this was revolutionary in this time period. And this was not Paul making this up on his own. This, he was just being submissive and writing what the Holy Spirit was giving him. So the word Paul uses as submit means to be subject. To be subject. It does not mean obey. We see obey mentioned later. And we'll see that twice in chapter 6. And by using the word as he does for submit, Paul is showing us that the wife is on an equal basis, but subordinate with regards to the line of authority. All right. Where else do we see something like this in the Bible? Well, remember what we've been telling you. Ephesians is really big on talking about the Trinity. Um, It's mentioned a lot. We see it mentioned, you know, even in reverse roles as we talk about the gifts coming from the Spirit through Jesus and the main source is God. So we see the Trinity. So how's it play out? And there's no better example of our relationship in marriage than to look and see how the Trinity plays out. The Trinity has always existed. I know it's hard for us to imagine, Because on earth, we have a beginning on the end, but they've always existed. All three are powerful, and all three have different roles. So they are equal, but they have different functions. We see the Son and the Holy Spirit are subordinate to God, and they are willingly subordinate. We see this like in Mark chapter 14. 35 and 36 Mark 14 35 through 36 it was getting close for the time for Jesus to be on the cross and remember he was in the garden praying and he was asking hey you know if there's another way for this to end I'm all for it I'm all for it but father not my will but yours be done you know like I always tell you guys especially around you know, Palm Sunday and whatnot, in Luke 9:51, when it talks about Jesus setting his face towards Jerusalem, if you read from that point through and look to the Gospel of John for that same time period, you see a man in anguish. You see the way he talks to the Sadducees and the Pharisees. It's not nice. You see the anguish he's in. He is dealing with a lot because he knows As soon as he turned his face to Jerusalem, it was roughly about two months before the events of the cross. So he knew what was going on. And so the events leading up to his death, we read in the garden, what did he do? He fell to the ground to pray to the Father. Now, a lot of us may not willingly fall to the ground like he did, but we may willingly pray that we can get up. But Jesus actually fell to the ground in order to pray to his father he was serious that serious about his desire to miss the events that were going to unfold but what did he wind up doing he submitted and followed through with it and why did he do it well we had this example he did it out of his submission and his love for god the father and in fact we only know of one being right if you stop and think about this We only know of one being that witnessed, you know, the Trinity, saw the Trinity with his own eyes, saw it, and chose to do his own thing and be disobedient to God, right? And that was Satan. Other acts of submission we see about in the Bible. In Luke 2.51, we see Jesus submit of all things to his earthly parents, Remember, this was when Jesus was about 12 years old and they went to celebrate the Passover and Jesus was in the temple and decided to stay. Would he tell them he wanted to be about his father's business? So the parents were on the way back and realized Jesus wasn't with the group, he wasn't with them. So they went back. And what did they see? They saw this 12 year old Jesus sitting in the temple, being very respectful but embarrassing the teachers with the questions he was asking them, but they realized they wanted he needed to go back with them, so he submitted, even though he so wanted to be about his father's work. Romans eight seven and eight, Romans eight seven and eight tells us, for the mind that is set on the flesh, is hostile to God, for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God for it does not submit to God's law indeed it cannot those who are in the flesh cannot please God Hebrews 13 17 obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account let them do this with joy and not with groaning For that would be no advantage to you. For that would be of no advantage to you. One of the best short and simple, James 4.7. James 4.7 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. One of the best things that popped into my, my inbox yesterday from John Piper and Desiring God to help you with James 4 7 submitting to God resist the devil was an article it said the 10 reasons 10 reasons you should be in your word every day so a great article if you want to read it just google desiring God John Piper 10 reasons you'll see a lot of others because I googled that to see if you could find it I got his article on six reasons four reasons you know, he's got a lot of numbered reasons, but go with the 10. And if you can find it, let me know, because I copied it as a Google Doc to make sure I'm going over it. And I'll be glad to email it to you. But fantastic article. So now, let's look at this relationship between man and woman that was established by God. And we're going to take some peeks at the first couple, Adam and Eve and see how they show us this relationship between a man and a woman that is from God. For after all, we were created in God's image. We were created in God's image, and we see a likeness to the Trinity as we demonstrate the following. So number one, there's a harmonious relationship. Number two, there is an equality in our marriage. And three, there is a difference in our role and authority. And we're going to go through all three of these topics in just a second. In a marriage, and we'll see more of this next week, in a marriage, a man is to leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife which means they become one flesh, one. They're to be one flesh for the rest of their time on earth. And this relationship is based on the example of Christ and the church. And I, I believe today in America, most marriages resemble how people actually act in church, that is, they neither want to act in their God-given roles in marriage, nor do they want to do them in church. So we need to all strive to do better. And then number one, so a, a harmonious relationship. A harmonious relationship. So the good thing is, as we talked about this earlier in our, in our passages on Ephesians. We know by Ephesians and what Paul wrote, we are to treat one another with gentleness, with humility, and love. Boy, just imagine if we actually did that. Imagine if we actually did that. Seriously, if we realize that we are just one as a, in our marriage, we are one, and we are to love our spouse the way we love ourselves, and get ready, I'm going to make up a percentage for you, I think over 90% of or more of our marriage problems would go away. And you say, Bill, that you mis made that up. And I say, I did make that up. But if you think about it, if you really think about it, if we live that way, how many problems would we really have in our marriage? Because most of them are based on our selfishness, right? And by doing this, selfishness would be gone. Instead of planting in our heads or scheming in our heads, we would actually converse with what we're thinking about with our spouse. And she would just tell us to knock it off and move on, right? No, but we would actually we would actually come to an understanding. It's like, hey, I'm thinking we should do this. And then just imagine if you showed more favor to your spouse than you do yourself. Imagine, imagine if you talked... About them to others in glowing terms right because there is nothing worse in this world nothing worse than a person sharing with others about their spouse in a negative light and with what the Bible says is they're both one and so by doing this it identifies this relationship is not one you know and public service announcement. If you're talking to someone and they start talking bad about their spouse to you and you listen and don't stop to them, you're complicit. And While it's awkward to be in that position, you know, you have a perfect opportunity right now. With this pandemic, you can start coughing when they're doing that, saying you have COVID and leave, right? You got the perfect excuse, you don't have to do it. But ideally, you'd have the strength to call them on it and seek a change. So imagine this. Imagine if people seriously prayed for their spouse and also prayed with them. And then when you speak of them, you only shared their good traits and only before God shared the bad ones and prayed for them. Folks, that would be mind-blowing. And I'm sure Adam and Eve have many great moments that weren't written in the Bible. But one of the worst was recorded in Acts 3.2. This is when God confronted them and Adam told God he was led to sin by that woman he gave him. Not, not a banner day for Adam, and it's recorded for all of eternity. All right, number two, equality in marriage. Equality in marriage. Men and women are equally important to God and equally valuable to Him. No sex is of more importance than the other. We all have different God-given roles and these roles come with responsibilities. So let's see about how God talks about a woman. One of the best examples is we're gonna look at is Proverbs chapter 31. We're gonna look at verse 10, and then verses 28 through 30. Proverbs 31, 10, 28 through 30. It says, an excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. Her children rise up and call her blessed Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful, beauty is in vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. A woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Did you ever, if you've read that and you've read Proverbs, did you ever catch on to what happened there it dawned on me I wish I could say years ago but it wasn't that as you read through that and see that part a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised when you and that's at the end of Proverbs so we go to the beginning of Proverbs it has one of the basic foundational instructions for us and that's in Proverbs 1 7 and that tells us the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and fools despise wisdom and instruction. So it's like bookend reminders when you think about it. So here we have the foundational teaching of wisdom, saying the fear of Lord," which means what? If you fear the Lord, you're going to do whatever He says. And then it talks about the end: A woman who fears the Lord and is obedient to him is to be praised. Little rabbit trail, but I thought it was very important. Um, So it shows us that we are equal in the gift. uh, We are also equal in the gift of the Holy Spirit. So there we have God. We see God and how we're equal to Him. What does it say about the Holy Spirit, too? It says the Holy Spirit, He is given to everyone who believes. And the cool thing is, is not too long ago, we went through the book of Joel. And in Joel 2, 28 through 29, we have a prophecy for the time that we're in. Joel 2, 28 through 29, speaking about the Holy Spirit and our qualities says, and it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my Holy Spirit on all flesh, meaning your sons and your daughters, they shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions even on the male and female servants in those days I will pour out my spirit and then we see God's interaction also with them we see this with Adam and Eve that you think back in Genesis God would walk with both of them in the garden how amazing would that be God in the coolness of the day would walk with both of them and the good thing is is couples are still afforded this opportunity to have a relationship together before God. So number three, differences in roles. Differences in roles. So as we saw in the Trinity, all three are equal in power, but the Father has the greatest authority. He is the leader and the Son and the Holy Spirit they function in their roles. The Son came and died for us, and then he sent the Son to come to comfort and to equip and to empower us. Paul also shares about our roles in 1 Corinthians 11.3. 1 Corinthians 11.3. He says, "But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. The head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. God has made the man responsible and accountable for his family. So we have this accountability in action. We see it after the fall. Who did God call out after these two sinned? In Genesis 3.9, we see who God called out. But this says, but the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? Knowing full on where he was, where are you? So we see that God gave the leadership to the man and did not give it to the woman. And what we see in action is that this is not for men to lord it over. But like you said, you're accountable and you're responsible for your family. That should drive you, men, into a a deeper, deeper, stronger relationship with God, knowing that you have this accountability to God for these people. And after the fall, we see there is a distortion in the roles. There's not new roles. There is a distortion to the roles God in place. God always had the man as the leader. But since sin came in, there has been this distortion in their interaction. Adam was still to work the garden. However, there is these things coming in that would make it harder. Things like thorn and thistles. Um, Eve would bear children and it it would be more painful. Now, scientific study says that the pain a woman endures in childbirth is almost as painful as when a man has a cold. I want everyone to okay. Now the major relationship issue we see is in Genesis 3:16. We see God telling Eve basically that sin will bring a selfish desire and harshness into the marriage. And sin does just that, right? A marriage of two believers is supposed to be a picture of the order of God that he put in place in the garden so now when we see a marriage that is continually out of order they're at odds with each other continually we see a marriage that needs to follow this outline in this section of Ephesians and and seek and seek the fullness of the Holy Spirit every day in their lives Again, our passage is, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to everything to their husbands. This is not a passage to look down on and for anyone to lament the role they have in their life. This is the passage on God giving us the direction to maintain obedience and to develop a stronger love. Develop a stronger love. And God tells us in 1 Corinthians 12:13 that we were all made equal and and we all share get this get this word picture the picture here is we drink together of the holy spirit that is powerful and like we talked about three weeks ago i shared with you guys that god has a standard and he measures us against the fullness of god and that's what we're to strive for in this life and how do we strive for it we read his word we learn it and obey it. Again, a plug for desiring God. Ten reasons to read the book every day. An example of this striving, too, we see is at the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul's talking about the body of Christ he's and how it functions and everyone knowing and doing their roles. And it leads up to Paul pointing out to us the best way, the best way to reach this fullness of God and treating one another. And it's at the end, at 1 Corinthians 12, in verse 31, he tells us, But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a more excellent way. And you're saying, But Paul, what is this more excellent way? Well, what comes after 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 13? And if you don't know what that chapter is, you would remember because you hear it at virtually every wedding, you hear it all the time. It's the chapter on love. And if you read that, ah, it is such a powerful chapter on how to love someone. Um, And if we work on developing if we work work on developing this deeper love and strive for obedience to God's Word, we will not only grow in our marriage and know our roles in our marriage, but we will grow in this attempt that we need to have to reach the fullness of Christ. And folks, that's the goal I'm going to leave you with today. Amen? Amen? All right. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your powerful words, your powerful message. What you put on us is not difficult, but it's sure not easy. Help us to lean on you for strength, you on wisdom, and may we rightly learn, at least today, be reminded of that we need to fear you and obey you in all things. Even if we need to continually hit the reset button, ask for forgiveness, and go back to following you and being obedient. It's that important, it's that powerful. We don't know how long we have on this earth, but we know the standards you gave us to accomplish. That can only be done by like some of the songs we sang early today, emptying ourselves of ourself And giving ourselves to you and being fully obedient what a standard what a standard but what a way to go through life even though it may not solve all of our problems the peace that we will have through you will be unremarkable and undeniable Holy Spirit we thank you for your speaking into Paul how is still available for us today And it's still so relevant for us today. We thank you so much. Amen.